We're still in the Beatitudes on the Sermon on the Plain. Luke 6, verses 22 through 23. They read in Jesus' name. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Let us pray. Father, as we come to look at this passage, uh, I ask that you would grant us boldness, grant us wisdom, grant us courage, Lord, that we might walk as you would have us. Lord, that we might live as you do. Lord, that we might live for you. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So today's sermon is entitled Allegiance uh, because really that's what I see going on here. This is a question of allegiance. You know, who are we living for? What are we living for? What's the purpose of this life? I could have entitled it purpose too, I suppose. But there's too many, there's too many possibilities. So we'll stick with allegiance. So first off, Who is our allegiance to? You know, who do we serve? Because this is a question that, that we all need to really dig down and ask ourselves, that we need to ask God about, who are we serving? Because when Jesus here says people, who is he talking about? Because I don't know about you guys, but I've heard many people say, you know what, I don't really care what other people think of me. You know, they kind of take pride in that fact. I don't care what other people think of me. But when they say that, who are they talking about? They're talking about some random stranger out on the street or the numbskull that they just passed by and honked their horn at because they cut them off in traffic. You know, that's who they're talking about. They're talking about some random person that'll probably never see them again. I don't care about those people. I don't care what they think of me. Okay, great. When Jesus is talking about people, he's not just limiting it to people you don't know. He's talking about all people. So when Jesus says people here, what's he saying? He's saying, blessed are you when your parents do this. Blessed are you when your parents hate you for the sake of the Son of Man. Blessed are you when your husband or your wife hates you for the sake of the Son of Man. Blessed are you when your children reject you for the sake of the Son of Man. Blessed are you when your friends turn their back on you for the sake of the Son of Man. You know, because that's what this really means. Jesus isn't just talking about some random stranger out on the street. He's talking about the people that actually have worth to us. He's saying, are, when these people hate you, then that's, that's where the blessing lies. You know, and that's, that's a lot harder to understand. Because it's easy to say, you know what, I don't really care if the random person out on the street... I don't care if they know that I'm a, I'm a Christian. You know, it's easy to witness to them. It was, it was, when we went down to Ecuador, it was pretty easy to witness. You know, it's like, well, if this person rejects me, if this person hates me, so what? When I lived in the cities and I'd go downtown witnessing, you know, doing street-level evangelism, it was pretty easy because I have, you know, I, I think one time I spent oh, two hours talking to a guy named Raphael, um, a very interesting man. And you know, I was able to be really bold with him and I have never seen him again. Ever. His opinion of me, I have 
I've never interacted with it again. So it's easy to say, it doesn't matter. But what happens when this comes home? Because that's really where the rubber meets the road. It doesn't meet the road street level evangelizing in downtown Minneapolis or in Ecuador. It meets the road when it says, well, how about St. James when you run into these people? You know, how about in your own home when you run into these people? Are you willing to allow them to hate you? You know, because think about that. Think about what this means. I'm going to make sure I'm not getting ahead of myself because I don't have, okay, good. Um, I don't have my notes here. <laughs> so Jesus says, what is, he, what is he saying? Blessed are you when people hate you. How many of you enjoy being hated? Like, this is serious. Blessed are you when, because this word hatred, they're, they're seeking your harm. Because that's how human beings interact with hatred. We're not talking about the hatred that God has where he's not choosing you. We're talking about the hatred that human beings have because when humans hate you, they become malicious. They become vicious. They become cruel. Well, I almost sound like a southern preacher. Maybe I could have kept that going a little bit. Um, uh, far too Norwegian. But Jesus is saying, this is, this is a big deal. When they exclude you, when they keep you out of the group, and that was a bigger deal during this day and age because your community is your everything. You couldn't go to the Roman government for support. You know, if you were poor and you went to the Roman government, there's just no place for you. They were only there for the rich. They were only there for the powerful. They were only there for the important. That's what the government was for. That's who they provided for. And then everybody else had to rely on their local communities. And so what Jesus is saying is, blessed are you when you're cut off from all support of the people around you. Think about that. How would you like to be cut off from all support from the government of the United States? Government of Minnesota? Government of St. James? Or your local communities? When nobody is willing to step up for you? When nobody's willing to talk to you, when nobody's willing to interact with you, when you're struggling, blessed are you then when all these things are done. This is tough. You can't live this way and live for the world. You know, when they, they hate you, they exclude you. When they revile you and spurn your name as evil. I'm going to cut these a little shorter. Revile means to make fun of. They're putting your name down. They are, they are despising you. They are regarding your name as evil. Everything that you do and everything that you are is evil. This is how they're interacting with you. Jesus is saying this is a blessed person. When people do this to you, and not just random people, like the people that you love, the people that you're caring for, the people that you're serving, when you're interacting with them or they're interacting with you in this way, Jesus is saying this is a blessing. Because they're going to do this, they're going to do this because you don't live like them. If you live for Jesus, you are not going to look like the world. And the world's not going to be happy with you. Because the world's going to say, well, what right do you have to judge us? Even if you haven't judged them. If you haven't condemned them, but you're just not acting like them, they're going to be mad at you because they want you to join in with the things that they're doing. They want you to become like them. Because that gives them solace in some manner. They want you like them. When you step back from that group and you say, no, I can't do that, they're going to say, hey, what's wrong with you? If you live for Jesus, if you live holy and righteous lives, the world's going to interact with you this way. If you say, you know what, you need to change. This way that you're living is not good. It's not going to benefit you. It's not going to bless you. It's going to harm you. It's going to harm your family. It's going to hurt everybody you love. What are they going to do? They're not going to shake your hand and say thank you for the most part. They're going to say, hey, who are you? What do you know? This is my life. This is my family. You butt out. Mind your own business. 
because this is the way the world interacts with it. I don't know if any of you remember when uh, George W. Bush was president. Well, probably, hopefully most of you remember that. Not all of you, obviously. <sighs> These kids nowadays. <laughs> um, I remember I was watching something. I don't remember what channel it was. Um, but they're talking about him and how he prayed. And how terrible this is that he's allowing his private religious life to interact and interfere with his public duties as President of the United States. Why did they say that? Because he prayed? They hated him for it. Well, they hated him for all sorts of reasons. But they hated him for that. And that was an eye-opener for me. It's like, I can't trust these people. Because they'll hate you just for living out what you think is right. They'll hate you just for living for Jesus. Why? Because they're not like you. Their deeds are dark. They like the dark. And they want everything to be dark. Because then their deeds can't be exposed. But if you're walking in the light, then the deeds of darkness are exposed. And the world doesn't like that. So they're going to hate you. Even if you're not being mean. Even if you're not being cruel. Because there's a caveat here. If you're... If you're being an awful person and people hate you, if you're doing wrong and people hate you, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Because I have friends that have tried to use that. They are, they are blunt. They are unkind. They are, to some degree, cruel in their exhortations of other people, their admonitions. And they're like, well, people hate me for that. Obviously, I'm doing something right. It's like, eh, not really. You could be a lot nicer. Kind of like Chuck Borstead used to say, present the truth. Um, well, what was that phrase? Now I'm forgetting it. Shoot, I should have had it written down. But basically, it was present the truth, but in such a way that people don't know that you're presenting the truth. Make it beautiful. And so instead of being cruel and unkind, it's to be as nice as possible, as kind as possible. Because Jesus isn't talking about the cruel person. He's talking about the one that's living for him. And what does that mean? For the sake of the Son of Man, you know, Jesus says, on account of the Son of Man. And so, blessed are you when this happens because your allegiance is to Jesus. Because you're not serving the world. You're serving Jesus. Blessed are you when you are serving Jesus. When you're serving Jesus, these things are going to happen to you. But really, where does this blessing come from? Does this blessing come from people hating you? Does this blessing come from people reviling you or spurning your name as evil? No, this blessing comes because you're with Jesus. Your allegiance is there. Your eyes are there. Your hope is there. Your trust is there. If you are pointed at Jesus, you know what? The way that other people treat you ceases to matter to the same degree. Does it still hurt? Well, probably to some degree. But it's not there. It's not bigger than Jesus. Jesus becomes your focus. And so then how do you interact with those people? Well, you serve them then out of love for Jesus. Because your eyes are on Jesus. I'm doing this for Jesus' sake. Will you hate me? Well, I feel bad for you because I'm doing this for Jesus' sake, not for you. And then that actually gives me the ability to love the person that hates me because now I'm doing it out of love for my Lord. My allegiance is there. He is my Lord. I'm no longer living for them. Because why do people, why do people demonstrate their hate for you? Why do people revile your name as evil or spurn your name as evil? Why would people do that? Because they're trying to gain control over you. If I start putting this negative peer pressure on you, we talk about peer pressure still, right? 
that put this negative peer pressure on you, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get you to conform. But by having your allegiance to Jesus, you're showing them, you've got no power over me. You can't even change my emotional condition because I'm serving Jesus. My allegiance is to him. Whatever you guys do to me, doesn't matter. I'm serving him. Your allegiance is there. Your hope is there. Because you know what? The community, what do they say? Why would they include you? See, look at all the blessings we can give. See, look at all the things that we can provide for you. And it's like, no, it's Jesus that provides these things. It's Jesus that's my hope. It's Jesus that brings me joy. It's Jesus that brings me contentment. It's Jesus that brings me satisfaction. If I have anything in this world, it's because Jesus has given it to me. It's not because the community has given it to me. God might have used those people, but it's still Jesus. Jesus provides through my job. Jesus provides through my family. Jesus provides through the grocery stores. But it's still Jesus, isn't it? He's my hope. Now that I'm living on account of the Son of Man, I don't need to rely on all of these people and fall into their temptations. You know, if you live your life like me, then you're going to have happiness. That's what they say. You know, I was talking about a woodworker named Paul Sellers. And one of the things that he's constantly pushing is that working with hand tools brings contentment. It brings satisfaction. And you know, I like working woodworking. I enjoy that. But it hasn't brought me satisfaction. It's enjoyable. But it's not satisfying. There's a big difference there. And so he's saying, if you live your life like me, you're going to find satisfaction. He's a great evangelist for hand tool woodworking. But you know what? It's not an end. Those things don't work. They can become false gods. So where's your hope? It's not in the community. It's in Jesus. Who's your lifestyle for? Sorry, I got these messed up in my head. Who's your lifestyle for? Who are you living for and how are you living? Are you living in such a way as to honor God or in order to fit in with your community, the people around you? You know, you get around those people, you start swearing like them, you start speaking like them, you start dressing like them. You know, we got to watch this. Because if your lifestyle is an ally, is al- aligned, <laughs> one of these days I learned to talk good. If your lifestyle is aligned with Jesus, you're not going to fit in with this world because you're going to think about this world differently. You're going to act with, according to this world differently. You're gonna, you're gonna, you might dress differently. You might not dress differently. Like I don't dress differently than most people, but you might. You might have to. You know, how's your lifestyle? They're going to hate you for that because you're not like them. They're not going to like you. But you know what? If you're living for Jesus, it won't matter. Because then you're not living for them. You're not living for their approval. You're not living for their applause. You're not living for their benefits. You're not living for them. Rejoice. Jesus says rejoice. Look at this totally differently. If you're living for Jesus, you can rejoice as these people are hating you. Why? Because this becomes a blessing. That hatred drives you on. Because if they're hating you, you're not tempted to live like them anymore. Now you pity them. You know, I think about Richard Vermbrandt in Tortured for Christ and how he got to the point where he pitied his jailers because they were imprisoned, but he was free. They were imprisoned to their hatred. They were imprisoned to their cruelty. But he was free in Christ. He was the one in jail, but they were the one imprisoned. They couldn't get free of their emotional bondage and their emotional baggage. But he was free in Jesus. 
So he pitied them. And so as they hated him, it empowered him and drove him further into Christ. And so it became a blessing. Because now these things that they did to him, they drove him to Jesus. They drove him to prayer. They drove him to forgiveness. They drove him to love. Because now he had a purpose to stand as light because he saw the darkness. I don't know if any of you read that book. That's a great book. I encourage it to everybody. It's not a happy book at every point, but it's a good book. And so it became a blessing. Because it, and it becomes a blessing because it drives us to a view of where our reward really is. Our reward is in heaven. You know, it's not here. It's not in how many people like me. It's not in how many people even put up with me, thankfully. It's in Jesus. My reward is in heaven. He is in heaven. I get to go and be with him. I get to leave the things of this world, all the hopes and all the dreams, and no matter how beautiful I've made this world, it's going to pass away. And that's sad. But you know what? Heaven's greater. Heaven's greater. And now that I see, you know, the world hates me. All right, I've got a reward in heaven. I can rejoice for that. So it drives me on and it reminds me that this isn't my home. All of these things are passing away. You know, our bodies are passing away. Our homes are passing away. Even the fields are passing away. You know, I hear people talking about the fertility of our land sinking down or getting blown away. I've seen that in some wintertime. Got a lot of farmers' fertility in my lawn right now because of all the snort from this winter. Now, these things are all passing away. Where's our reward? It's in heaven. My reward for being a good Christian isn't getting you all to like me. My reward for being a Christian is in glory. Where's your hope? What reward are you looking to? Finally, it has effect. When your allegiance is on Jesus, you change the world. Because so did their fathers do to the prophets. You know, what, if, what impact have the prophets of the Old Testament had on our world? Think about that. You want to change the world? Have allegiance to Jesus. Those prophets of old, they changed countries. They changed nations. You know, Jonah... Jonah, the, the upside-down prophet, the one forced into a foreign land, a kicking and screaming. A whole community was saved because of his half-hearted preaching. You know, you think of during the days of Jeremiah that people were brought back to the Lord, that God used Jeremiah to encourage Daniel and to draw people back to the Lord. You know, when your allegiance is with Jesus, then you actually have positive impact in this world. Instead of just temporary impact, you have lasting impact because you're drawing the world to the one that you have allegiance to. And so what's Jesus saying here? He's saying, who are you living for? And this is the question that we need to ask. Who are we living for? Who are we serving finally and ultimately? What is our goal? Is it Jesus? Or is it the things of this world? When people don't like us, how do we respond to that? Do we come to Jesus? Or do we whine and complain and are sad? And we think about that. Or the other side, do we rejoice and are beside ourselves because finally something's worked? 
Who are we living for? Do people have that sort of control over us? Who is our allegiance towards? Who are we living for? Who are we serving ultimately? Is it ourselves? Is it the things of this world? Or is it Jesus? Where our reward is in heaven. And so as I've pondered this this week, there's things that I've had to repent of. Frustration, irritation, you know, <laughs> even my kids. I haven't had to repent of my kids, but frustration, irritation towards them. And, you know, it's like, why? Well, because I wanted them to serve me and make, you know, a, I, I like things kind of peaceful sometimes. And I have three children. And they don't always bring peace. I don't understand that. Right, Kathy? I, yours did always, I bet. Uh, but you know, as I was thinking about my irritation towards my children, I realized I had the totally backwards idea. I'm no longer serving Jesus, I'm serving myself. Because if I was serving Jesus, I'd be using this chaos to try to draw them to Jesus instead of getting mad at them for not giving me the peace that I want. Oh, I'm doing this totally backwards. God forgive me. Now I can serve them. And now their chaos and no longer irritates me. Now it's an opportunity to bring it to Jesus. So who are you serving? If you need to repent, repent. If you need to talk about it, talk, let's talk about it. If you need guidance in that, let's brainstorm. We'll figure something out. Because who are you serving? Where is your allegiance? Amen. Let it be on Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for, we thank you that we can be allied to Jesus, that we can submit to him. He is our Lord. We thank you. Bless us now. Guide us that we might make him our Lord. Lord, in all aspects of our life, as we're interacting with everybody around us, Lord, may that be our end. May we seek you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.